You're on Radio 1. 91 FM, your weekly politics show. And as we have been uh, for the last several weeks leading up to this crazy, crazy election, we are joined again by Dr. Bryce Edwards. How are you, Bryce? I'm great, thanks, Abe. Um, it, it rolls on in the circus of a campaign, and we've had all the leaders' debates, and I think we've uh, had some of those since I last talked to you, and we've had all these allegations from the National Party about fiscal holes and things. So, yeah, it just rolls on. Yeah, now this is kind of more of the um, meat of traditional campaigning, and isn't it nice here in New Zealand that we get this all condensed to uh, you know a tidy couple of weeks as opposed to dragging it on and on and on? Now, it hasn't been as crazy and entertaining as the first couple of weeks, but this one is more like we would normally expect from a campaign discussing the nitty-gritty of uh, the fiscals of policy and looking at how the leaders performed against each other in the debates. Let's start with the debates. Uh, Every sort of political commentators had different prognostications about who won either of the debates. What do you say? Oh, geez. I I don't get very focused on who really won these debates because I'm not really sure it actually matters that much because it's not really a sporting contest where um, you know, there's one winner that gets more points than the others. It's really what influence they have, these debates have on the campaign and whether the leaders manage to win over votes from you know, undecided people. And I think uh, uh, that in that first TVNZ debate with Mike Hosking, neither of the candidates did much to, that would have enthused anyone. They were quite bland and boring and there wasn't much sparkle in the debate. I doubt anyone would have really won, been won over to English or Ardern. But in the second debate um, on TV3 hosted by, with you know, Patrick Gower, suddenly it was a totally different debate. It was really vibrant and colourful and it had energy about it. And I think both leaders did a lot better and sort of being a bit more passion there was a bit of anger there was a bit of interjection and yeah I, I both I thought they both did quite well although Jacinda Ardern didn't necessarily win the debate if you want to talk about that but she probably won over more uh, voters because of course she's more of the unknown you know, factor in the campaign people know what the English is about but it was in this leaders' debate last week that um, we learnt just a bit more about her personality and what she stands for, and even a few more policy ideas that we hadn't heard before. So, yeah, I, I thought Justin Gradient got the most out of the debate. Now, it's uh, really, I guess, um, about the, the media narrative that follows on from that debate as yeah. well. And, of course, um, you've got your, your pundits lining up on there. Some are sort of traditional supporting one side or the other, but some of them are being swayed. And uh, Jacinda Mania rolls on. Has she, has she proven herself now, Bryce? I think she, she has in many senses. She has certainly been able to stand up to you know, Bill English in these debates. She's been able to stand up to Mike Hosking and Patrick Gower in these debates. So she's proven herself in that respect. She hasn't crumpled under the pressure. Uh, she, she's shown that she's got you know, a bit of uh, chutzpah and a bit of sort of uh, verve about her, especially in that last debate. So, uh, but more than that, you know, well, yeah, just that she didn't really crumple, I think, was a big thing. Because, you know, we had Bill English, who was the very, you know, um, experienced and practised uh, debater and uh, presenter in these things. But 
he didn't manage to get many hits on her. So, yeah, I think she has shown that there's a bit more substance than people might have suspected. Um, yeah, I think she's doing quite well. And the uh, the one hit that the National Party is trying to score that um, seems like it was a bit of a miss uh, is the fiscal hole. Uh, they're saying there is one. Uh, most other people, according to the media, are saying there isn't one. And I guess it comes down to an interpretation of, you know, the 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 thrust of the argument is how responsible is labor going to be with the finances um we know what the track record of national is uh you know so, some people say that uh it speaks for itself in terms of the problems that we're having but uh yeah. you know it has resulted in surplus recently uh labor's proposing a whole lot of new spending uh and of course national likes to draw attention to the will they won't they tax situation um what's your interpretation of the fiscal hole is is labor slightly irresponsible or is this just a beat up well i think it's always important to have some focus on what the opposition is is planning and you know um try and find any you know kinks in their armor or any holes in their fiscal plans so national's doing the right thing and um trying to you know let us know if there's any problems that's totally fair enough and the media should be doing it uh, and you know labor do seem a bit uh lacking in detail sometimes in what they're saying they're going to do in terms of tax and in terms of spending so they should have the heat on them but what uh stephen joyce the finance minister came up with was pretty much uh i don't know what the, what's the word it's uh, uh um they shot themselves in the foot at least there was no substance very little substance in what Stephen Joyce was alleging against Labour. He said that there was a, a fiscal hole of nearly $12 billion. He'd been going through their alternative budget and it didn't quite add up to him. There seemed to be a big mistake. But really it was an accounting issue. And so we've had lots of economists, we've had lots of experts, you know, pretty much adjudicate on whether there's, um, you know, substance. And they have universally said no. Labor's uh, policies uh, aren't really guilty of what Joyce was saying. I mean, certainly there's some questions that Joyce raised about whether Labor was setting aside enough in each uh, budget for unallocated spending, i.e. will there be other things that come along in the next three years if Labor's in government that they'll need to spend money on, like maybe some unexpected... um, wage rises in the public sector or whatever might come up Labor don't seem to have budgeted much for that happening uh, so he's got something to say that's correct I think there, but no, generally it seems to be this uh, a lot of nonsense really what he was suggesting and the question now is whether uh, he's managed to you know, throw a bit of mud around and got people you know, um, cynical about Labor and maybe they might lose some votes or whether it's going to backfire and people will therefore be uh, pulling away from National because they just think that this looks desperate and and quite ugly. Um, It's yet to be known about which way it will go. Now, there's only two weeks to go, thank goodness, but um, you can tell that it is an election campaign because... And I, you know, I was hoping we almost made it through this time, but you cannot go through a single New Zealand election without some really base law and order, um, you know, beat ups oh, yeah. descending uh, yeah. 
We're talking about um, some people have less human rights than others, uh, waving around the um, scourge of the P problem to sort of try to one-up each other. Um, uh, it's been speculated that Nationals going after New Zealand first voters with this type of rhetoric. Um, but we see this every election, and um, we saw it inkling uh, a couple of weeks ago with the boot camps, uh, but now Nationals really going all in on the law and order. Uh, labor hasn't quite responded yet, but I'm worried given uh, you know the performance in past elections and given that we're talking about the scourge of P, that uh, people will start trying to one-up each other. Wh what do you see happening here? Oh, you're absolutely right, I think, in your analysis. And this does happen every election, some elections more than others. And it's not always just national that's doing the, the beat-ups and the kind of um, trying to appeal to that sort of social conservative uh, vote. But certainly, yeah, in my mind, it's, it's actually just very pragmatic on the part of the National Party. They're not you know, really coming at this from any strong principles or uh, you know, strongly held beliefs. They just know that if you start throwing around some of these hard-line measures that um, I guess what you'd call them as, as low-information voters will just um, you know, sort of see the headlines and think, hey, yes, we want to get harder on criminals, we are sick of you know, this uh, lack of law and order, and that they'll come back around to national because they're hard on, on these things. But um, it, I think, it, again, it is quite desperate stuff for, from national on these issues. Um, because they are in real trouble. And I haven't even bothered that much to go into much of the detail because you can see some of the experts that have talked about it themselves, um, various um, people like Jared Gilbert at the University of Canterbury. Uh, he's a criminologist. He has you know, totally uh, rejected some of these claims about the judicial system and the, the prison system that's being put around by Paula Bennett. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's quite disappointing stuff. We've got a question from Bert here joining us. Uh, so, oh, cool. Hey, kia ora, kia ora, Morena. Um, so, like, you're, you're talking about the boot camps but, and the law and order stuff, but uh, some of the, like, beneficiaries, if you uh, don't pass drug tests, you can have your um, doll cut in That half. was the thing today, yeah. And yet you've kind of got um, national sort of walking a, a tightrope because they're saying that cannabis is bad, but at the same time also opening up to the idea of a discussion about uh, cannabis medicinal perhaps um, re recreational but definitely sort of like a medicinal you know Jacinta said I don't need 30 seconds let's do it and um, Bill English fluffed around for a minute and didn't really come up with an answer other than yeah it could happen Although, to be fair, in the second debate, uh, Patty did press them a bit more, and Jacinda said, well, no, we don't want decriminalization. We want to send the stoners to rehab. And, you know, I'm glad you brought this up, Bert, because I wanted to ask the same question. Do you think this um, growing call for an end to the drug war, Bryce, is complicating these law and order messages? Um, it looked like this was going to be the election where we had a discussion about these issues. Uh, it's kind of moved to the side because of um, fraud admissions and celebrity politics. Uh, now we're seeing the law and order come out. Are we going to have enough time to have a nuanced discussion about this? I, I guess that is the worry, isn't it? Because this is such a colourful, chaotic and volatile election that, uh, you know, the best of us trying to keep up with what's going on are, are having trouble. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think you're probably right about that. Uh, that, yeah, too much going on. But isn't it great that we are having... Uh, 
some debate at least about drug reform laws or reforming the drug laws and mostly mostly the debate has been quite sophisticated and mostly it's been quite enlightened so you know whereas five ten years ago um i, I just don't think we would have had um so many people coming out and calling for reform and being taken seriously so it almost feels to me it feels like uh, there's suddenly a strong impetus and public support for change in a progressive way. Uh, and people are interested in quite some radical ideas. So we keep hearing about shifting to the Portugal situation, to lots of other models throughout the world. And, um, you know, so I think the, the progressives are winning this debate. Uh, we'll, but we're going to have to wait and see to after the election, I think, whether that still has that kind of reason. How the chips fall, yes. Now, and of course, this debate isn't being had by the major parties, but it is being had by the minor parties. And they had a debate uh, just recently. You know, we should we should just mention that. What did you make of the minor leaders' debate? Yeah, um, well, I'm just trying to think of it. <laughs> I mean, Winston doesn't see himself as minor, apparently. Oh, what, wait, <laughs> which minor's debate? He didn't turn up to this TV3 Nation debate on Saturday, um, and we don't know if he's going to turn up to the TVNZ one on Friday night because he regards himself as above these these uh, minnow parties, really, as how he sees it, or micro-parties. He, what, he, what? And I can kind of see his point to a small degree. Um, he's got little gain through... Um, being on the same panel as parties that are just one percent in the polls, he's sort of you know seven, eight, nine percent in the polls. Um, but you know, it's silly for him to really get uh, too churlish about it. You know, this is a chance to see how all the, the smaller parties do work together and what differences they're going to bring to a government. So I'm hoping he does participate on this um, on Friday. What do you make of uh, Gareth Morgan's judicial review? I, I, I mean. We, we see this periodically. I, I guess when I was reading the article, I was shocked to discover that despite Peter Dunn's resignation and withdrawal yeah. from politics, they are still going to include a totally unknown United Future candidate. Well, the broadcasters are having a farcical situation. They do it election after election where they don't really come up with any proper criteria for what minor parties should participate in these debates. And of course, it is a bit difficult because you can't easily include every minor party because there's like 15 parties that are registered in this election but I, I just think that every time they have a criteria that is quite irrational and um, unjust so at the last election you had TV3 had a minor debate that um, didn't include Colin Craig from the Conservatives and likewise I at the time said that was crazy because here was a party that was um, you know, that was close to getting into Parliament. It was on three or four percent, and um, so he took TV three to court, and they had to include him in the end. Uh, and I thought he should have been included. Likewise, this time around, tops being excluded, even though they're polling one, two percent or above in some polls, and um, except, but they are including uh, Act, who are you know below one percent. You might have Future, who's really dead now, <laughs> as you, you say, and um, although they have a, a, a new leader, they're not going to get into Parliament, and they're only on, well, 0%, and even the Murray Party isn't uh, doing as well as top. So we're going to see this uh, judicial review this afternoon in the High Court, and I don't think we can even say much about it, because it's, you know, before the courts. 
but it's certainly really interesting um, if the if the judge does order TVNZ to put Gareth Morgan into the debate. It is slightly more manageable than last election. You don't, I mean, I guess yeah. there are technically quite a few of these fringe registered parties, but I mean, they're basically not even trying anymore. Um, and it has narrowed down to a manageable sort of, well, yeah. if you don't include United Future, only five parties besides the big two. But it is in, in the media yeah. coverage as well with the return of Jacinda, it is kind of, um, focusing in on an FPP-type environment, despite oh, MMP yeah. having been healthy for over 20 years. Yeah, I, I find this very disappointing. And um, you know, the great hope of MMP was that we would have a new party system and there'd be a shake-up and we'd have diverse you know, ranges of options. And it hasn't really happened at the best of times, in my view. Uh, we still have all the political parties back from um, the first past the post era, mm. um, you know, whether it's the Greens, New Zealand First, um, that are dominating. And um, in this election, it's even worse. That's right, because of the two major parties, they are getting kind of about 85% of the, the vote at the moment, and they're getting the, the lion's share of media coverage. So it's very hard for any new party like TOP or any existing small party to really get any proper consideration um, by the media. And they are being squeezed out, and I think it is bad for democracy. Well, the ultimate contest is on the day, and only just over yep. two weeks to go. We really appreciate you weighing in with us again, Bryce. And, yeah, we'll check in with you two more times. And, um, yeah, I mean, let's hope it gets a little entertaining again, but not too crazy. Exactly. Yes. Thanks, Abe. Thanks for being with us. Cheers. Dr. Bryce Edwards, you're on Radio 1, 91 FM, Politrix. We're going to play some.